<clears throat> All right, everybody, today we're here with UFC Vegas 77 home versus Bueno Silva preview predictions and analysis. I'm not going to break down the whole card. I'm just going to come right out and say it. I'm not going to do all the prelims. I'm not going to do every fight on the card because there's just, I just don't have time to do that this week. I can't get into every single fight, but I will break down the entire main card for you, which consists of, well, five fights now, considering that um, I heard that the Walt Harris and Josh Parisian fight has been scrapped from the card within the last few minutes of me recording this podcast. So we're not going to be talking about that one, but we're going to kick it off with the fight in the lightweight division between Nazim Sadyakov and Terrence McKenney. We'll talk about Azaitar and Prado, Dumont and Chandler, and then Dariah and Park followed by the main event in home versus Bueno Silva. Um, before we do that, though, let me just ask you guys one thing. How about DDP Drickus Duplessis? How about Duplessis TKO over Robert Whitaker? I know there were a few other MMA bettors and MMA podcasters who picked Duplessis and who bet on him, but for the most part, everybody thought that Robert Whitaker was a free ticket cash going into the window, and everything I said about that fight took place. And the funny thing is, it's not even the fact that that happened, it's the fact that you know, Duplessis won the entire fight. I mean, he clearly won the first round after getting that head and arm throw and those vicious elbows from inside the half guard where he, he hurt Robert Whitaker. At the end of that first round, those elbows hurt Whitaker so bad that he was kind of out of it already. I said to one of my buddies I was watching the fight with after that round ended, you saw Whitaker get up. He took a big deep breath and sat on the stool right there. Um, I knew that the fight was over. Whitaker was going to be done in the next round because he was out of it. Those elbows really messed him up and going to the next round gets dropped with a southpaw jab, you know, attacked with the outside low kick. That was very, very smart from Duplessis. He kept attacking the outside low kick when Whitaker was in the opposite stance and then would come forward with a jab and outside kick to square up the hips of Whitaker and allow him to be there for the power and also to get that outside angle when he was going to switch his stances. It was very, very good work and very technical work from a guy like Duplessis and we actually cashed a big prop uh, that weekend with Duplessis by TKO at plus 550. Um, I was going to, you know, be on a really, really solid win streak, at least when it comes to betting, if, you know, Jalen Turner would have pulled through for me. I had Turner inside the distance by KO or sub, and I kind of paired him with a bunch of my picks, and that obviously didn't come to fruition. You know, there's always that one apple pie shitter for people, that one pick that you think is like a foregone conclusion. And then you go into the fight and something happens and it's just completely off. And for me, it was Jalen Turner. And for some other people, it was Robert Whitaker. I feel like those were the two anchors for a lot of people's plays and parlays. But, you know, that's besides the point. We got another week, another week of fights. So let's get into UFC Vegas 77, home versus Bueno Silva. And we're going to kick it off with the first fight up in the lightweight division between two Dana White Tuesday night or, uh, Dana White, well, I don't believe Terrence McKinney was on the Contender Series, but I could be wrong. You've got Nazim Sadyakov, who trains under Matt the Steamroller Frivola. Trains out with, I believe, Aljamain Sterling out in Long Island. Nazim Sadyakov coming off that third-round TKO doctor stoppage win over Evan Elder in a fight where he was down the first two rounds, getting outpaced, getting hit with big body kicks, getting taken down, getting controlled. And losing the fight, and that was a night where I did bet on Sadyakov, and I had Sadyakov by TKO. He was able to catch 
Evan Elder with a big head kick that cut his eye really bad. It was in a terrible spot right above the eyebrow. And uh, the ref jumped in and stopped the fight under a minute into round three. Going up against Terrence McKinney. McKinney's coming off that flying knee knockout loss to uh, Ishmael Bonfim, the man who just lost to Benoit Saint-Denis. And I feel like that was another bet that a lot of people were very high on on that card. And, you know, he got submitted in the first round. It's just, this is MMA. You never know. Like, things can be going your way and one slip-up, one mistake can cause it to go the other direction. And that's kind of what MMA has become known for in the last year, man. Like, 2023 MMA is just wild. It's crazy. Um, A lot of big favorites are losing. A lot of big underdogs are winning. A lot of close fights aren't looking that close. A lot of fights that, you know, should be close are not close at all. A lot of fights that shouldn't be close at all are very, very close. So it's kind of just whatever you're thinking this year for MMA in terms of betting, you almost just bet the opposite, at least in some cases, not all of them, obviously. But yeah, I mean, this is just MMA for you and you never know. And everybody says that this sport is extremely easy to bet on and whatever. Man, MMA is not easy to bet on. There are spots that you can pick that are pretty good, but for the most part, MMA is very difficult to bet on, man. I mean, just look at how many underdogs won last week. Um, Dan Hooker, Robbie Lawler, the under for uh, the Shannon Ross and Jesus Aguilar fight. I believe Jesus Aguilar was an underdog in that fight as well. Him to win by knockout was like plus 900. Do plus C, a plus 300. You know, a ton of underdogs coming through on the big pay-per-view. And then, uh, you know, Volk came through as a big favorite. But if you bet him by TKO, it was like plus 150, plus 175. So there are spots you can attack on cards. But when it comes to this fight with Sadiakov and McKinney, man, McKinney is a guy who has very good submissions. He's got very, very dangerous striking. I mean, he dropped Drew Dober two or three times in the first round until, you know, Dober was able to kind of weather the storm and then TKO him at the end of the first round in the clinch, knees and elbows. McKenney is a buzzsaw. He comes forward. He's going to get in your face. He's going to try to use his long, rangy weapons. He's got a very long, lanky frame for this division. Uses a lot of one-twos down the middle. That's actually what he knocked out Matt Frivola with in his UFC debut early on in the round. I believe like under a minute, like 20, 30 seconds into the round. I know it was was less than that. It was like 9 or 10 seconds, I think. Hit him with a one-two, dropped him, and knocked him out. I mean, McKinney's got one hitter-quitter knockout power. We've seen Sadyakov get dropped before. He got dropped by Evan Elder with a big shot, but came back and was able to kind of weather the storm. And then even though he was losing, he found a way to win. And you always like those guys who, even if they're down on the scorecards, they find a way to win. And that's not what I see from McKinney. McKinney is a guy who is very, very good at being the hammer, but he's not so good at being the nail. He likes to really be dominant, come forward, beat you up. But when you start to beat him up, when you start to push him back, he kind of gets in his own way. And I think it's because of the ego of McKinney. You know, he's, he's very high on talking himself up and saying that he's going to be the next champion. He's going to be a future champion. And like, don't get me wrong. He has very good skills. He's a very dangerous fighter. He has a lot of gifts in this division, but he doesn't have the best durability and he definitely doesn't have good cardio. Um, We haven't seen so much of Sadikov's cardio, but I believe he can push a harder 15 minutes than McKinney. I think that Sadikov can push the pace. He can walk down McKinney. And the thing is, um, as long as he can avoid the the first round, like the, the first round is really tough, you know, uh, for anybody against McKinney and especially for Sadiakov, he has to be, well, he has to be weary. He has to make sure he doesn't get hit with any big straight punches, big knees up the middle, 
front kicks, head kicks. Like he just has to play it very safe, very smart, very methodical and try to land good counters on McKenney who does leave himself open. He's not the best defensive defensive fighter. He doesn't actually have good defense at all. Um, if he can leave himself or if he can capitalize on the openings that McKenney's going to leave him on the feet and also survive that early onslaught from McKenney, I think Sadiakov can put away Terrence in this fight. And um, I know Sadiakov is a favorite going into this one, and I'm actually pretty surprised. I know that McKenney got knocked out with that flying knee from the Bombfiend brother, but at the same time, I feel like McKenney has more UFC experience, and I would think he would come into this fight with um, the favorites being on him, like, like that Sadiakov was going to be the underdog. But Sadiakov should be able to outstrike McKenney. They're both going to be southpaw, so... They're both going to have that same, uh, you know, toe-to-toe -to -toe style that that outside foot positioning isn't really going to be there. But the left hook or the check right hook, the straight left hands, and the very good uh, slip left uppercut from Sadiakov, the rear uppercut. He slips on the inside counters with the uppercuts. The one-twos, the good footwork. He's very good at measuring his distance and range, and that's something that he's going to have to do against McKenney, who's going to use those long-range weapons and try to knock you out as quick as he can, and you have to stay patient. I think if Sadikov plays on the outside, looks to counter McKenney as he steps in, looks to work the body with front kicks, looks to attack low kicks, I think body work and um, good counters from Sadikov is what's going to carry him to win this fight. Um, I don't really have a lot of faith in Terrence McKenney. I picked against him with the Bombfiend brothers, and I am going to be picking against him here against Sadiakov. I feel like Sadiakov's the much better technical striker. I feel like he has more gas in the tank to go 15 minutes. If you're going to bet McKenney, you bet Terrence McKenney in round one, because after round one, like, could he get a submission in round two? Could he catch Sadiakov and knock him out? Yes, but I don't think he can push the same pace that Sadiakov can. At least he can early. He'll push a higher pace early. But over 15 minutes, he's not going to be able to push the same pace. And I think Sadiakov's eventually going to be able to wear on him. And like I said, McKinney's a very good hammer, but not a very good nail. And once Sadiakov starts to land good counters, once Sadiakov starts to land big bombs on McKinney, I think he's going to hurt him. And I think he's going to get him out of there with a body shot. I'm going to go with Nazim Blackwolf Sadiakov to defeat Terrence McKinney, Terrence T-Rex McKinney via second round body shot TKO. Um, I know a lot of people are on... McKenney and McKenney in round one. That's honestly the only way you bet Terrence McKenney is McKenney in round one, like we already talked touched on a few moments ago. But if you look at the odds, it's actually closed off. Uh, let me see. He's a minus one thirty five favorite. Is uh, Nazim Sadiakov? I think it's plus one fifteen is the underdog for McKenney. So I think earlier on, <clears throat> Sadiakov was. Minus 155, minus 160 on the money line. So the money's definitely coming in on the side of McKenney, and it does make sense. It's going to be a wild fight in the first round, but I do like the technical skills, the better defensive responsibility, and overall just the better footwork. Like, Sadiakov's the much more well-rounded fighter, although I feel like McKenney has the better finishing instincts. But when it comes to skill for skill, when it comes to technique for technique, you can't sweat the technique, and that's why we have to go with the Black Wolf. Nazim Sadiakov as the minus 135 favorite to defeat Terrence McKenney via second round body shot TKO. He's going to survive that early onslaught, and he's going to put McKinney away. Up next, you've got a lightweight bout between Otman Azaitar and Francisco Prado. Francisco Prado made his UFC debut going up against a very tough, very durable MMA veteran in Jamie Malarkey. And although he lost that fight, he had good moments on the feet. Um, he's got good striking, good footwork, good in-and-out movement. He's mainly a counter-striker, 
is Francisco Prado. He's got a very good left hook, a very good one-two. He goes cross, left hook to the body, cross, left hook to the head, one-two, left hook to the body, left hook up top to the head, jab, left hook, right hand. His straight punches and his boxing are very, very clean. Um, he doesn't use the kicks that much, but going up again against Otman Azaitar, that was a guy that I backed pretty confidently against Matt, the steamroller Frivola, and we're talking about the steamroller two fights in a row. Um, I backed Otman Azaitar as the underdog. I think he, or no, I think he was a minus one twenty-five favorite, and I couldn't understand why the money line was so close. And then Azaitar just comes forward, flinging, flailing, flailing his arms, flailing punches, gets caught with a big shot from Frivola as he's running forward with no defense, gets dropped and gets knocked out. Azaitar is a guy that I feel like has fallen in love with his power. If he played more technical, if he measured his distance a little bit better, if he was a little bit better at just letting the fight come to him, finding the straight counters, finding the overhands, finding the body shots, and being able to pick his shots better, I feel like Azaitar could be a very, very good fighter. But he's also a guy, in my opinion, who, like McKenney that we touched on before this fight, is a very good hammer, but not a very good nail. And I think that Francisco Prado's a guy that, even if he's losing, he can still find ways to land big shots. He can still find ways to try to stay in the fight. I feel like Prado is a guy who's not going to quit on himself, with Azaitar being a guy who, if he can't get you out of there with that ungodly power in round one, if he can't land a big shot on your chin and knock you out in the first round, he's going to slow down, he's going to wilt, and his opponent's going to start to be able to pick him apart and avoid the big power shots. Because it's not like Azaitar has big power and he sets up his shots extremely well with good straight punches, good crisp technical shots. It's flailing punches, it's big winding hooks, winding uppercuts, winding up... Uh, overhands and he, he just leaves his chin on a platter and that's how Matt Frivola was able to knock him out backing up catching him with a big shot dropping him and putting him out of there because he just tried to get him out of there and was too disrespectful of the game that Frivola brings now I think we're going to see a little bit more dialed in version of Azaitar I think he might be a little bit more technical I think he's going to start the fight a little bit slower and yeah if he catches Prado on the chin I think he can definitely knock out Francisco Prado but at the same time, when I look at this fight, you know, Prado's 11-1, Azaitar 13-1. I think Prado's the much better technical striker, and I think he has much better counter strikes as the opponents come forward. And going up against a guy in Azaitar who's going to leave his chin up there, who's going to be throwing those big bombs with heavy power, but leaving his chin on the center platter, or leaving his chin on the center line on a silver platter, silver platter for a guy like Prado... I feel like Azaitar is going to get caught again and get knocked out. I feel like he was kind of exposed. And I know maybe you say, oh, he just had a bad performance. Everybody has a bad performance. And he's going to come into this fight and put Prado away. He might put Prado away in the first round. This is a fight that I wouldn't bet on unless your betting fight doesn't go to decision. But I expect that to be, you know, a very, very hefty price tag on the favorite side. Um, I think Azaitar can win if he catches Prado because Prado is hittable. He can get hit, but overall, I feel like he's much better defensively. I feel like he has much better counters. He's got very good body shots, good left hooks, good right hands, uh, good one-twos down the center, good cross into the lead hook, good cross, lead hook, cross, lead hook to the body, lead hook up top. And I feel like he's the much better fighter with much better counters. And with the defensive responsibility of Prado paired with the defensive irresponsibility and recklessness of Azaitar, I'm going to go with Francisco Prado. I think Prado gets this done. He's a minus 120 favorite to the plus 100 underdog in a Zytar. I think that that's pretty good. Um, I think that those lines are respectable. But I am going to go with Francisco Prado to catch a Zytar 
in the second round with a left shot to the body, a right hand up top, and then eventually come back with the left hook and drop Otman Azaitar while he's rushing in with those wild punches. He's going to catch him on the chin with a big counter, a big left hook, drop Azaitar, and get him out of there. So give me Francisco Prado to defeat Otman Azaitar via second round TKO. I just can't have any faith in Azaitar. Um, I, I understand if you want to play him one more time, but I'm not a guy who's going to go to the well on Azaitar again after that performance against Frivola. I think we will see a little bit better of a performance from Azaitar, but it's not going to be enough because Francisco Prado, although he lost via decision to Malarkey, we saw a lot of good things in that fight, and I think he gets it done by getting Azaitar out of there in round two. Up next, we're going to a fight in the women's featherweight division, a division that isn't even really a division in the UFC. Uh, with Norma Dumont, the number 13-ranked women's featherweight, going up against Chelsea Chandler, the number 15-ranked fighter in the division who only has one fight in the UFC. Nine victories, two losses on the side of Norma Dumont, five wins, one loss on the side of Chelsea Chandler. Um, the one thing I want to say is Chelsea Chandler is a tough SOB. She comes forward, she gets in your face, and she has heavy power in her punches. And going up against a girl in Norma Dumont, who does have decent defense, but when it gets into bum rush exchanges, when it gets into big exchanges, Dumont can get hit. And Chelsea Chandler has the power in that right hand, in that left hook. She stands in that little bladed side stance. I think she's actually a southpaw. I could be wrong, but she stands in that little bladed side stance and kind of shoots her punches down. They're not the best straight punches. They're not the most loopy punches, but she kind of just jabs them in there and stabs you with them. Just like, bop, bop, bop. And she kind of turns them over very well. She turns over that lead hook, shoots that straight down the middle from the rear side, shoots that uppercut, but it's very awkward angles, but she's able to sneak them into the defense of the opponent. She is pop, hop, hop, She finds the openings in that side stance over the top of the check hook straight down the middle with the straight. And that could be a problem against Norma or for Norma Dumont, I should say, because Dumont's going to be the more technical striker. Dumont's going to be the better fighter in the clinch, in my opinion. But once it hits the ground, man, Chelsea Chandler showed good ability to, you know, stay in the top position, reverse position against Julia Stoliarenko, who's known for her arm bars, who's known for being a, a phenomenal judo and brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner she was able to reverse position she was able to wind up on top and land vicious ground and pound as well the power advantage in this fight goes to chelsea chandler when i think the technical striking advantage and the more like well-rounded point fighter advantage goes to norma dumont um chelsea chandler though has only had one fight in the ufc so although she was able to get stoli Arenko out of there i don't think norma dumont's going to be a girl who she can just walk forward on and get out of there as quick as she thinks that she can i don't think that norma dumont is a girl who's going to be bullied by chelsea chandler yes norma dumont got caught on the chin by megan anderson she got knocked out um, Chelsea Chandler does seem like the much more dangerous fighter in this fight. And it's going to be a case of, are you going to side with the danger? Are you going to side with the finishing ability? Or are you going to side with the more well-rounded fighter? And I feel like Dumont is the more well-rounded fighter. Just not in terms of like finishing upside, like we said, but I think she's better inside the clinch. She's better in the over-under positions. I feel like she can push Chelsea Chandler up against the cage, work the body, work over the top to the head. She's got a good jab. She doesn't rush in with her shots. She's got a good overhand, a good one, two, one, two, three. And she kind of lets the fight come to her and finds ways to land those big shots. She's a big, strong girl. And I feel like she can overpower Chelsea Chandler. But this is also a fight where I think Chelsea Chandler 
can overpower Dumont. If she hurts her with a big shot, if she catches her with that check hook, if she catches her with that uppercut, catches her with the straight, you know, I think Dumont can get hurt, and Chandler does have the power to make you worry about Dumont's durability in this fight. Um, it makes sense with Chelsea Chandler being the underdog at plus 120, minus 140 for Dumont. But when it really comes down to it, I just feel like I have to side with Dumont. This is not a fight that I would be 100% confident in betting on just based on the fact that we saw the power that Chandler possesses. We've seen, you know, the, the damage that she can cause from the top position on the ground, the ground and pound, the punches, the combinations with the boxing. They're very, very solid and very, very powerful. And they're short powerful punches, which can cause Dumont some trouble. But I think the length, the range, you know, Dumont's ability to fight at range and counter the opponent, I feel like she might have a tricky first round. And I would say if Chandler's going to win, it's going to be by getting Dumont out of there in round one, kind of like we talked about with McKenney. But the longer the fight goes, I think it plays into the game of Dumont. Um, she's the bigger, stronger fighter, in my opinion. I feel like she's the more technical striker, while I would say that Chandler's the more powerful striker. Um, she can tie her up in the clinch a little bit better, push her up against the cage. And I think she can use her kicks, where we haven't really seen Chandler use her kicks too much. So I am going to side with the number 13-ranked Norma Dumont to win this fight via a 29-28 unanimous decision. Um, maybe getting Chandler out of there if she can survive the early storm, you know, weather the storm, and eventually wear her out and land some big shots. Because even though I would say that Chandler has more power, I think Dumont does have big power on the feet. We've seen her. She has good boxing, good one-twos down the center. Not the best defense, though, which is going to have you kind of clenching your ass cheeks for the first five minutes of the fight because Chandler might be able to get her out of there. But I am going to go with Norma Dumont to win via 29-28 decision. Uh, we'll go unanimous decision, minus 140 for Dumont, plus 120 Chelsea Chandler. So we're going with the minus 140 favorite in Norma Dumont. It's a close fight. It's a tough fight. It's a fight I wouldn't necessarily recommend betting on, but if I'm going to bet... I would say to bet on Dumont as the minus 140 favorite. But yeah, the pick is Norma Dumont by 29-28 unanimous decision. All right, we were going to talk about Walt Harrison, Josh Parisian, but that fight got canceled, so we're not going to have to touch on that. It was canceled, like I said, just minutes before we recorded this podcast. So we're going to move on to the middleweight division with Albert Duraev versus Junyong Park. All right, now we get to the co-main event of the evening, which, I mean, this card isn't the best, but there's no way this should be the co-main event in the middleweight division between Albert Durayev versus Jun Young Park. Uh, I think you know what you're going to expect from this fight. Both guys are going to want to get this fight to the ground, be able to outgrapple the opponent, establish dominant top control and top position, look to take the back and get a sub, look to land enough ground and pound to be able to get the opponent out of there. And this is a close fight, man. Like, I don't think that this there's one big advantage in any aspect of this fight for either fighter. I think that I would give the striking advantage to Duraev, but not because he necessarily has the better striking. I just think that he's more comfortable on the feet. If the if there's a grappling stalemate, I think that Duraev would be able to outstrike Junyong Park for 15 minutes on the feet. We haven't really seen a ton of the striking from Park. We don't see a ton of striking from, I think his nickname is the Iron Turtle. Um, his main game plan is getting in on your hips, taking you down from the body lock, from the double legs, 
from the insider outside trips and being able to land big shots on you, you know, use the Dagestani handcuff for the wrist control, take the back, look to tire you out, land big ground and pound from the top position and look to submit you. I just don't see him being able to implement that game plan against a guy like Albert Duraev. I don't think he can out grapple Duraev and, and really dominate him in the top position. I think it's going to be very difficult for Jun Young Park to get the takedowns, to get the wrestling, to get the grappling off in this type of fight because Duraev's going to have the better wrestling, in my opinion. I think he has better top control, better positional control, and it is close. Like, I think it's maybe 52% for Duraev, 49% or 48% for Jun Young Park. Like, it is close, but if the grappling does happen to cancel out, I think the better striker is Duraev. Just because we've seen more samples where Duraev has struck out on the feet, you know, landed big strikes on the feet, landing some good shots, and you know, being able to stay in the fight. And he even outstruck Chidi Njikawani in some of the rounds. Won that fight via split decision. That was a fight where I backed Chidi Njikawani. But I think uh, on the numbers, you know, Duraev was outstriking Chidi Njikawani for a good portion of that fight, landing the shots because, you know, Chidi was expecting the wrestling, expecting the takedowns. And even with those that striking advantage that he had on the feet, he was able to get those takedowns. He was able to get the trips, able to control his opponent in Njikawani. Now, it's going to be a lot harder to control Jung Young Park, I do believe. Um, I think that Jung Young Park could potentially reverse Elbert Duraev, get in the top position, and be able to you know lock up the body triangle, get to the mountain, land some ground and pound. But at the same time, I think that the grappling might cancel out because you have such high-level wrestlers, grapplers, Brazilian jiu-jitsu artists. So if the grappling cancels out, you have to worry about the striking. And I feel like Duraev has much more comfortability on the feet. He lands better shots on the feet. He picks his shots better. And if the grappling does cancel out between Park and Duraev, I would venture to say that Albert Duraev is going to have the better shot selection on the feet, the better power in his punches, the more technical striking. And that's why I have to side with the underdog in Albert Duraev in this fight. Because you have to think that like you got two heavy grapplers a lot of the times when it's two heavy grapplers it's not scramble for scramble position for position it's the grappling cancels out now who's the better striker and if that's the case I have to go with Duraev and I even think Duraev can out grapple Jun Young Park yes Jun Young Park has a lot of wins you know he's got some good wins in his UFC career but I think the competition level is on the side of Duraev I think the the overall better mixed martial arts game is on the side of Duraev the more weapons the more you know, well-rounded fighter is Albert Duraev, and that's why I'm kind of surprised that he's the underdog coming into this fight. He's around a plus 130 underdog to the minus 150, minus 160 favorite for Jun Young Park, and I get it because Park does showcase dominant grappling, but not against a fighter the caliber of Duraev, and not against a fighter in Duraev who has the caliber of grappling, chain wrestling, top control, and positional control that he has. So I'm going to go with Albert Duraev here to get this fight done, and I think he's going to win via a submission. I'm going to go with Elbert Duraev to submit Jung Young Park in the second round via rear naked choke. I could see it going to decision. I'm not super or supremely confident in the fight ending via finish, but I am going to side with Duraev because I just feel like he has more weapons than his opponent in Jung Young Park on the feet, and I feel like he can out-grapple and be more economical and, you know, more technical when it hits the mat when it comes to the grappling. So give me Albert, the, Albert Machete Duraev to defeat Jung Young Park, the Iron Turtle, via a second round rear naked choke submission, but potentially could go to decision, but I am going to side with the underdog in Duraev in this fight. Up next, you have a battle in the women's bantamweight division, the main event of the evening. 
All right, and like we said, getting to the main event of the evening before that brief interruption, you have the women's bantamweight bout between the former women's bantamweight champion, former boxing world champion, and the preacher's daughter, Holly Holm, coming into this fight with a record of 15 victories and six defeats, going up against Myra Bueno Silva. This is a big step up in competition for Bueno Silva. She comes in with a record of 10 victories, two defeats, and one no contest. Can Holly Holm keep the top contender or keep the new contender away? Or will the new blood wash out the old blood at the top of the women's bantamweight division and be knocking on the door to a women's bantamweight title fight? Um, I think Holly Holm and Myra Bueno Silva is a very intriguing fight. And I know a lot of people going into it are just going to side with Holly Holm right out the gate. Because you know what you're going to get from Holly Holm. Even though she's changed her game up a little bit and she's been more reliant to resort to resort to the grappling, resort to the takedowns, resort to the top control, resort to the ground and pound. That's not something she's going to want to do against Myra Bueno Silva because if you get into the grappling exchanges, I have a very high confidence level that Myra Bueno Silva would be able to submit Holly Holm if they get into the grappling or control her to the point where she could land ground and pound and get her out of there. I don't think the mat is a place that Holly Holm wants to be against a grappler with the submissions the caliber of Myra Bueno Silva. Myra Bueno Silva on the feet is going to be at a disadvantage, but a lot of the times... You know, people who fight Holly Holm are going to be at a disadvantage anyway. She's got very good footwork, very good lateral movement. She cuts angles, pivots off her lead foot very well. She shoots in with that straight left hand, the one-two down the middle, the left head kick, the left question mark kick, the lead question mark kick, front kicks to the body, jab, jab, straight left hand, circle out, straight left hand, pivot out. She's going to be picking her shots and kind of picking apart Myra Bueno Silva on the feet. But at the same time, even though I think Holly Holm is the much sharper, more technical striker, Myra Bueno Silva is going to kind of get in her face. And I feel like Holly Holm does have the, you know, the capabilities to get hit in certain spots. I mean, she lost that fight against Ketlin Vieira. That was a fight where I backed Holly Holm via decision in that fight. And I think a lot of people thought that Holly Holm did enough to win that fight. But the bigger, more powerful shots came from the side of Ketlin Vieira. And you have to think... How much longer can Holly Holm keep it up at the top of her division? I feel like she's become more and more beatable like in her overall game, but she's still beating most of the women that she faces off with unless it's the top of the top. Myra Bueno Silva possesses a game plan that I feel like is similar to Misha Tate where maybe Holly Holm can be out striking Myra Bueno Silva for the majority of every single round in this fight, but eventually she, she makes a mistake. Bueno Silva gets a takedown, jumps on her back, you know, hops on her back, puts her in the body triangle, you know, catches a kick, takes her down, takes her back, and jumps on there and gets a choke and gets her out of there. Or jumps on her back, falls off to one side, gets an arm bar, and submits her. I think Myra Bueno Silva's grappling in jiu-jitsu has a danger level that Holly Holm hasn't faced in a very long time. Yes, Amanda Nunes has good jiu-jitsu and good grappling, but she's mainly a striker. They were able to stay, you know, stay on the feet and strike it out. Caitlin Vieira does have good jiu-jitsu and good submissions, but for the most part, she stays on the feet. She likes to strike with her opponents, at least, you know, at this point in her career. Raquel Pennington is a, is a fighter who likes to stay on the feet, likes to strike it out. You know, has good boxing, good ability to land shots. Does have wrestling, but again, kind of fell in love with her striking. If we look at, uh, let's see, Holly Holmes' last few fights. We'll pull it up real quick. Mm-mm-mm. 15 and 6, 8 KOs, 
seven decisions. She lost to Amanda Nunes via TKO. She lost to Cyborg via decision. She beat uh, Megan Anderson via decision. That was one of the first times we saw home use her wrestling and use her grappling. That was at UFC 225. She beat Raquel Pennington via unanimous decision. Beat Yana Santos via decision. Um, I don't really think that that Yana Santos win is very impressive. She lost to Caitlin Vieira via split decision, but it was a close fight. Um, before that, she knocked out Betch Correa with a head kick, but that's Betch Correa, the woman who got hit with a head kick and then punched herself in the face because she got rocked so hard. So, you know, you got to take that into consideration. Lost via a unanimous decision to Jermaine Durandamy. Lost a unanimous decision to Valentina Shevchenko. Um, lost via rear naked choke at 3 minutes and 30 seconds against Misha Tate. That Misha Tate fight is what I'm looking at. And I know it was back in March of 2016, and I know Holly's wrestling, her grappling, her defensive grappling has gotten better in the last, you know, seven years. But at the same time, she's not facing girls who really possess that Brazilian jiu-jitsu aspect, that Brazilian jiu-jitsu danger, that submission danger in her MMA career. She hasn't faced that in a very long time, and that's what you have to look at here. Bueno Silva is going to get outstruck, but she also has decent striking on the feet, likes to attack low kicks. She changes her stances between southpaw and orthodox, but the striking is going to be an advantage for Holly Holm. But if Holly Holm gets out of position, if she, you know, gets her eye off the ball for a second, if she throws a lazy kick and Bueno Silva is able to get a takedown, if she throws a spinning back kick or a spinning back fist and Bueno Silva is able to follow it, jump on her back, lock her in the body triangle and take her to the ground, if it gets into any grappling exchange in this fight, Myra Bueno Silva, I believe, will be able to submit Holly Holm. She's not going to be, she's going to be at such a jiu-jitsu disadvantage. I think she might have the wrestling advantage, but the jiu-jitsu, the scrambling advantage is on the side of Myra Bueno Silva. The striking is on the side of Holly Holm. But if you look at the strikes, uh, 3.17 landed per minute for Holly Holm, 4.2 for Myra Bueno Silva, 40% significant strike accuracy for Holly Holm to a 54% Significant strike accuracy rate for Myra Bueno Silva. Um, she does get hit a lot more though. 4.71 strikes absorbed per minute for Silva to 2.77 for Holly Holm. 56% defense for Holly Holm to 58% striking defense for uh, Myra Bueno Silva. Looking at the takedowns, pretty even. Holly Holm actually goes for more takedowns. But when it comes to the takedown defense, 78% takedown defense for Holly Holm, 67% takedown defense for Silva, but Silva sometimes will allow the takedowns to be able to work her jiu-jitsu, to be able to fall off into that armbar, to be able to reverse positions. Um, but submission average is the big difference. 1.51 submissions per 15 minutes for Silva to 0.06 submission attempts per 15 minutes for Holly Holm. She's attempting almost two submission attempts per 15 minutes, which means she's going to be attacking submissions. I think that number goes up expeditiously in this fight with Holly Holm. And I think she will eventually get into a scramble with Holly Holm where Holly Holm's going to take her eye off the ball and Myra Bueno Silva is going to get a submission. I'm going to go with Myra Bueno Silva, the number 10 ranked women's bantamweight as the plus 145 underdog to submit the number three ranked Holly Holm via a third round uh, arm bar submission. I think she's going to fall off. No, you know what? We'll go with the choke because she did, you know, she was susceptible against Misha Tate. Um, we'll go with a third round rear naked choke submission for Myra Bueno Silva as the underdog to defeat the number three ranked Holly Holm plus 145. Um, I just think she's going to eventually find a way 
to take the neck, take the arm, and submit Holly Holm. It's been kind of a changing of the guard in MMA recently with the top-level fighters and, and people who are veterans of the sport. It's kind of been that changing of the guard year for MMA, and I feel like the changing of the guard continues in this main event. And Myra Bueno Silva improves to 11-2 by submitting the former UFC bantamweight champion or former UFC women's bantamweight champion in Holly Holm via a third round rear naked choke submission. All right, that's it for my predictions, my preview and predictions for the main card of UFC Vegas 77, Holly Holm versus Myra Bueno Silva taking place this Saturday from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. You can get this podcast anywhere you get your audio podcast. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, Stitcher, and many, many more. Be sure to support my Patreon. We don't have any supporters for the Patreon yet, but I have betting insight articles, fight breakdown articles, uh, UFC fighter breakdowns with video footage. I'm going to have fight cards tape study where I voice over the fight cards and explain what I'm seeing going into the fights and much, much more coming to the Patreon account. It's the same name as the podcast at the Touch of My Podcast. You can find the link in the description to this podcast as quickly as you click on this episode to listen to my breakdown for this week. Be sure to leave a review anywhere you can. I'm your host, Double M, and I'm out. Enjoy the fights this weekend, and let's make some money, baby.